0: Section 15 of Letters to Dead Authors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letters to Dead Authors. Andrew Lang. Section 15. To Sir Walter Scott. Bart. Rodono Saint Mary's Lock, September 5, 1885. Sir, in your biography, it is recorded that you not only won the favor of all men and women, but that a domestic fowl conceived an affection for you, and that a pig, by his will, had never been severed from your company. If some Circe had repeated, in my case, her favorite miracle of turning mortals into swine, and had given me a choice into that fortunate pig blessed among his race would i have been converted you almost alone among men of letters still like a living friend win and charm us out of the past and if one might call up a poet as the scholius tried to call homer from the shades who would not out of all the rest demand some hours of your society who that ever meddled with letters what child of the irritable race possessed even a tithe of your simple manliness of the heart that never knew a touch of jealousy, that envied no man his laurels, that took honor and wealth as they came, but never would have deplored them had you missed both and remained but the border sportsman and the border antiquary. Were the word genial not so much profaned, were it not misused in easy good nature, to extenuate lettered and sensual indolence, that worn out old term might be applied above all men to the Shira. But perhaps we scarcely need a word, it would seldom in use, for a character so rare, or rather so lonely, in its nobility and charm as that of Walter Scott. Here, in the heart of your own country, among your own grey round-shouldered hills, each so like the other that the shadow of one falling on its neighbour exactly outlines that neighbour's shape. It is of you and of your works that a native of the forest is most frequently brought to mind. All the spirits of the river and hill, all the dying refrains of ballad and the fading echoes of story, all the memory of the wild past, each legend of Byrne and Locke, seem to have combined to inform your spirit and to secure themselves an immortal life in your song. It is through you that we remember them, and in recalling them, as in treading each hillside in this land, We again remember you and bless you. It is not sixty years since the echo of Tweed among his pebbles fell for the last time on your ear. Not sixty years since, and how much is altered! But two generations have passed. The lad who used to ride from Edinburgh to Abbotsford carrying new books for you, and old, is still vending in George Street, old books and new. Of politics I have not the heart to speak. Little joy would you have had in most that has befallen since the reform bill was passed to the chivalrous cry of Burke Sir Walter. We are still very radical in the forest, and you were taken away from many evils to come. How would the cheek of Walter Scott, or of Layden, have blushed at the names of Majuba, the Soden, Wind, and many others that recall political cowardice or military incapacity? on the other hand who but you could have sung the dirge of gordon or wedded with immortal verse the names of hamilton who fell with cavagnari of the two stuarts of many another clansman brave among the bravest only he who told how the stubborn spearmen still made good their dark impenetrable wood could have fitly rhymed a score of feats of arms in which as at mcneil zariba and at abu Klia, groom fought like noble squire like knight as fearlessly and well ah sir the hearts of the rulers may wax faint and the voting classes may forget that they are britons but when it comes to blows our fighting men cry with laden my name is little jack elliot and wa dar meddle wit me much is changed in the countryside as well as in the country but much remains The little towns of your time are populous and excessively black with the smoke of factories. Not, I fear, at present very flourishing. In Galashiels you still see the little change-house, and the cluster of cottages round the Laird's Lodge, like the Clachan of Tully Violin. But these plain remnants of the old Scotch towns are almost buried in a multitude of smoky dwarf-houses. A living poet, Mr. Matthew Arnold, has found the fitting phrase for these dwellings once for all. All over the forest he waters are dirty and poisoned. I think they are filthiest below Harwick, but this may be local prejudice in a Selkirk man. To keep them clean costs money, and, though better improvements are often promised, I cannot see much change for the better. Abbotsford, luckily, is above Galashiels, and only receives the dirt and dyes of Selkirk, Peebles, Walkerburn, and Interlethen. On the other hand, your ill-omened later dwelling, the unhappy palace of your race, is overlooked by villas that prick a cockney ear among their larches, hotels of the future. Ah, Sir Scotland is a strange place. Whisky is exiled from some of our caravanseraises, and they have banished Sir John Barleycorn. It seems as if the views of the excellent critic who wrote of your life lately and said you had left no descendants le pauvre homme were beginning to prevail this pious biographer was greatly shocked by that capital story about the keg of whisky that arrived at the littlesdale farm during family prayers your toryism also was an offence to him among these vicissitudes of things and the overthrow of customs let us be thankful that beyond the reach of the manufacturers the border country remains as kind and homely as ever I looked at Ash Yestiel some days ago. The house seemed just as it may have been when you left it for Abbotsford, only there was a lawn tennis net on the lawn. The hill on the opposite bank of the Tweed was covered to the crest with turnips, and the burn did not sing below the little bridge, for in this arid summer the burn was dry. But there was still a grills that rose to a big March Brown in the shrunken stream below Elibank, this may not interest you, who styled yourself, no fisher, but a well-wisher, to the game. Still, as when you were thinking over Marmion, a man might have grand gallops among the hills, those grave wastes of heather and bent that sever all the watercourses, and roll their sheep-covered pastures from Dollarlaw to Whitecomb, and from Whitecomb to Three Brethren Cairn, and from Windberg and Skelf Hill Pen yes teviot dell is pleasant still and there is not a drop of dye in the water budio electro of yarrow st mary's Loch lies beneath me smitten with wind and rain the st mary's of the north and of the shepherd only the trout that see a myriad of artificial flies are shyer than of yore the shepherd could no longer fill a cart up magat with trout so much of a size that the country people took them for herrings the grave of piers cockburn is still not desecrated hard by it lies within a little wood and beneath that slab of old sandstone and the graven letters and the sword and shield sleep piers cockburn and marjorie his wife not a hundred yards off was the castle door where they hanged him this is the tomb of the ballad and the lady that buried him now rests with her wild lord Oh, what ye know my heart was sair WHEN I HAPPET THE MOLES ON HIS YELLOW HAIR. O, WHAT, YE KNOW MY HEART WAS way. WHEN I TURNED ABOUT AND WENT MY WAY. Here, too, hearts have broken, and there is sacredness in the shadow, and beneath these clustering berries of rowan trees. That sacredness, that reverent memory of our old land, it is always and inextricably blended with our memories, with our thoughts, with our love of you. Scotchmen, methinks, who owe so much to you, owe you most for the example you gave the beauty of a life of honour, showing them what, by heaven's blessing, a Scotchman still may be. 1. Lord Napier in Ettrick points out to me that, unluckily, the tradition is erroneous. Piers was not executed at all. William Cockburn suffered in Edinburgh. But the border minstrelsy overrides history criminal trials in scotland by robert pitcairn esq volume one part one page one forty four a d fifteen thirty seventeen j a c five may sixteenth william Cokeburn of henderlin convicted in presence of the king of high treason committed by him in bringing alexander forster and his son englishman to the plundering of Archibald Somerville, and for treasonably bringing certain Englishmen to the lands of home, and for common theft, common reset of theft, outputting and inputting thereof. Sentence, for which causes and crimes he has forfeited his life, lands, and goods, movable and immovable, which shall be as cheated to the king. Beheaded. Words empty and unavailing for what words of ours can speak our thoughts or interpret our affections? From you first, as we followed the deer with King James, or rode with William of Deloraine on his midnight errand, did we learn what poetry means, and Ali the happiness that is in the gift of song. This and more than may be told you gave us, that are not forgetful, not ungrateful, though our praise be unequal to our gratitude. Fungor inani munere. End of section 15.